And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics on www.guruenergy.com. Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command. To heap in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Gluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friend Zachary Bartles. And uh, Zach, we've got some some changes. Uh, the winds of change are are blowing through uh, Gut Check headquarters here, in that uh, we're going to be changing sponsors soon, man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we talked about how we were all kind of tied up inside over this. Yeah, and, and uh, must have been a lot of people praying that uh, the doors would open yeah. and the windows would close because out of nowhere. Uh, you know what I found out, Ted? What's that? That that big spot at the top that uh, that Missionalware wants <laughs> yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, for the last six months has said Guru. That's called in in uh, marketing terms the hero spot. The hero spot. What a, I mean, what a fawning thing to call a <laughs> a, a place on a website. You know what I mean? <laughs> or I think it's also in a magazine or whatever. Erin told me that she, who she used to work in uh, uh, marketing and and buy like advertising space so she so she would be in her office like uh like pacing and like uh i don't know chain smoking chain smoking and like chewing on a pencil and she'd call someone and, and put them on speaker and be like i want the hero spot yeah, right it's the hero spot or nothing that kind of thing. <laughs> right? it, it, actually she'd also she'd be holding like a cordless phone yeah. with like a headset yeah yeah oh yeah exactly i don't know why but she would be yeah and then uh and then the thing with the cordless phones though like in tv and movies when uh when you were done with the call and you wanted to end the call angrily, you would like slam the the sort of butt of your hand against the the antenna. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then toss yeah. it. Like you just shove the antenna in and then toss the phone. So even though back when you had the antenna on the phone, they were like a hundred and fifty bucks a piece. Yeah. You would be so angry, you'd just kind of skip it along your desk like it was a, a stone. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that replaced you know angrily slamming the. Uh, you know, the standard phone down. Uh, of course, gut check will always see guru as a hero. We will. Yeah. Even though they're the leaving spot. the hero spot as it were, um, they're not leaving the hero spot in our hearts. I, I think, <laughs> I think our hearts have room for multiple hero spots is the, the thing that I'm getting at here. But, uh, Zach, we have other things to, uh, to get at, including your, uh, your television watching of late. You shared with me off the air candidly that uh that you've been watching a lot of television and um i want you to uh talk us through what you've been watching and why and then we're going to talk about a movie that we've both seen um although i haven't seen it in uh, in years but you just watched it recently so let's then we're talk uh, about some music it's like media day it's media day here at the gutcha and you Podcast. having so taught uh what was it what was the name of the uh, media class you taught at cornerstone Mass media literacy. Mass did media. you sit in on that one? I did. Yeah, and I'd like you to kind of t- you know take the prof position here then and make sure. I will. I'll put on my pretentious academic uh, regalia <laughs> while we talk here. You probably and, literally uh, could, right? Isn't it hanging on your door? Dude, I could. It's. It's. I'm looking at it right Would now. Would you do it's me a favor and put on at least the hat? I will. I will do that. <laughs> here, I'm going to walk over there. <laughs> this is the sound of me rustling through academic regalia. Oop, the hat just fell off the the hook. You know, I tell you, Zach, all kidding aside, regalia has to be the biggest racket in uh, sort of American business in the sense that it's just a standard black robe that you wear like once a year. 
with some like garishly colored kind of accoutrements that don't go together at all. Um, but they charge an arm and a leg for this stuff. You know what that feels like to me? It reminds me of like, I I know that when you're in, you know, sixth grade, you don't wear academic regalia, but (laughs) if that was the standard, I would have been like, mom, I need to buy these things. And she would have looked at it and been like, oh, I can make that for a lot less. Dude, that's exactly how I felt about this. Like when I took this job and I had to buy regalia, like I wanted my mom to make it for me. (laughs) It would have been just different enough though that the other kids read professors would have known. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it would have looked homemade. You know what I mean? And I would have been self-conscious about it. (laughs) My mom would have come home with one of those patterns, you know, with the like hand-drawn women on the front. Yes. Who are like seductive, but they're wearing some frock made out of like (laughs) calico, you know? It would have been me. There's probably some pattern in some envelope somewhere with a, a dude in academic regalia looking. Only seductive. it's actually, and this happened to me, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was actually like a, a pattern for a Halloween costume. Okay. But, but you're, you're having it made for real. But yeah. like also, so like on the front would be like a professor in his regalia and then like a, a man in a toga. And then yeah, also yeah. like an astronaut in like a puffy fabric spacesuit. Dude, yeah, it would have been the, it would have been a Halloween costume collection, except I would have had my mom make it for me for real. Like, dude. Ted, McCall's. McCall, dude, McCall's. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> I remember yeah, flipping through the like giant catalog and like Joanne's. This is pre-lashing, dude. I did. Um, I, feel, I feel like half my childhood was spent in Joanne's waiting for my mom. You know what me I mean? Too. Yes. You know what I would do? I'd go look at the zippers for some reason. I found those riveting, like all the different kinds of zippers. Dude, that's funny because I would always go to like the fake, the fake furs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like how much of this would you need to make a gorilla suit? You know what I mean? <laughs> I would be fascinated by that. <laughs> dude, I, it's a, it's a shame that we didn't, you know, at some point bump into each other in, in, oh, dude, I know. in the McCall's could, area of Joanne's. We could have entertained each other, man, for hours <laughs> while our moms walked around looking at God knows what. Yeah. You know what? My, my mother all, you brought me, you know, tagged me along shopping, schlepped me along mm-hmm. everywhere. And one time I got so angry. Yeah. Now, and, and this is a standard thing for mom to do. I'm not, I'm not impugning my mother. Yeah. But, but like in my little mind, I had something I wanted to do at home. Uh, and so I went over, we were in, there was a store called Town and Country. I don't know if it was a one-off or if it was a chain or yeah, what it was, yeah. very 80s. And I went over to where like the jeans were okay. on all the, the shelves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they all had little <laughs> clip-on, clip-on-the-shelf like size indicators for all the stacks of jeans. Yeah. Can you guess what I did, Ted? What? I moved them all around and <laughs> mixed them all up. So the mom with like the husky kid would come in and... And, and sort of go to that section, but it would be it would be tiny jeans. It'd be the skinny jeans be the of the eighties. Jeans of that of the eighties. Oh, dude. Jordash skinny jeans. Oh, Jordash. And really, it. in the eighties, weren't all jeans skinny jeans for the most part until were, the yeah. very late eighties? Dude, I totally think they were. And like the the Jordash jeans that like girls would wear would have those uh, those little zippers at the bottom, so you could make them even more skinny. You know right, I mean? you didn't have to peg the jeans in the 80s because right. you could just zip them down. That zip. was a lot more efficient, if you think about it. Oh, uh, it really was. Dude, the 80s were great. Dude, but the 90s were also great. And let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think that the pegging or French rolling or whatever it yeah. is we're calling the the tight roll at the bottom of the jeans, was that like an early form of lashing? Mm. I think it was if you used if you used some kind of foreign object to to facilitate the roll. You know what I mean? Like if you put a, okay. a, a, a like a rubber band down there or something, 
Was that a thing? I don't know. I don't know if it was a thing. I'm just now kind of sussing it out as I as I think <laughs> it through. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For me, I always just folded and rolled. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's early lashing. I, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to, probably not. Yeah, I, I gotta let that one simmer a little bit, my friend. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to call it lashing. I don't. I don't want to give cheap lash. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lashing is is a great thing, but I don't, I don't want to throw that term around cheaply. <laughs> There's too much of that going on these days. There really you is, know? man. We have no standards. We've really we've really backslidden in that area. <laughs> I like my lash my lashing to have boundaries. Um, I like to protect those boundaries. And um, understandable. That's, yeah, that's where we are, man. That's where we are. Dude, we've gone completely far afield from what we were going to talk about, which was uh, hither and what's that? Do the thing hither and thither. Oh, oh, dude, I see. I listened to that like ten times. That little section when I was editing it. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. Do it again. I liked it. No, I can't. I, I I can't right now. All right. You know, you have to be in the right space. I have to be in the right space. Yeah. It has to be my idea and it has to happen, uh, organically as it were. You don't, you don't do it on, on demand. No, 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 exactly. Something, uh, you know, something really meaningful like that. You can't just. There's too much of that going around too. There really you know? is. There really is. Dude, let's talk, let's talk, uh, music. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. With the 51st episode, I swapped in some new music. Now here's, here's where my head was, Ted. Yeah. Um, I realized that we had gone through a few iterations and then circled back around to that first uh, couch song, yeah. right? And and I was just tired of hearing it. But also, we're we're uh, we have a a reverential fear of the recording industry of America, and yeah. you know, getting in trouble. That's what we should. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I was thinking I had put in a few songs by some guys I know who have a band called the MAB. Yeah. Um, like the standing on the promises where they're just like shouting, yeah. like blood curdling. Uh, and I thought, you know, I know another, uh, band, the guys in another band from college. Yeah. And, and, uh, I bet they would let us use their music. And, and, you know, A, I loved discovering new old 90s music. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Yeah. When you're like, I didn't have that Marcy Playground album, but I like those two radio hits. Dude, Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. Yes, oh man, that was the song. song. Yeah. Um, but but you know, I I thought maybe I can help Ted and the listeners discover some new '90s music. Yeah. Uh, and this is the band. Tell me, at Taylor, did you have like the band while you were there that everyone was sure was going to get signed? And oh was... gosh, yes, dude. You know what that band was called? No. Exit Fifty Nine. Was that like the exit off of whatever interstate? Yes. It was the exit you took to get to Taylor. Oh man! Now, what was the music like? Tell me about it. Um, you know, if these guys were around now, they would be hipsters. You know what I mean? Okay. They, they would be the guys that guys like me on campus hated, but <laughs> but the girls liked. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Like uh, like yeah. I mean, they were they were affluent. They were skinny. Um. You know, pretty good looking guys. They had the, the, you know, they had the funding to sort of get all the nice equipment and stuff. Yeah. I mean, these were, these were hipsters. They had um, Mike's chair. Yeah. Like Mike's, like Mike's chair, dad's money. Um, but yeah, I, I don't remember honestly a thing about the exit 59 music is the thing. You don't remember the sound. It, I assume it was probably kind of like a proto, uh, jars of clay knockoff kind of thing. Dude, I, I think that's exactly what it was, to be honest. You know what, Chad? I have a mixer tape of some kind. Okay. 
that that uh, my sister made me a copy of when she was at Taylor University, the exact same time you were, overlapping with you. Yeah, right. And I think it has a song by those guys on it. I'm sure it does, dude. I'm sure we could listen to that. We should listen to that on the air at some point. Now, they're not going to find out and sue us. It sounds like they're dead the way you're talking about them in the past tense. No, no. They're uh, they're alive and probably running like hedge funds somewhere. So <laughs> so they might sue us. But, uh, okay. But not because but, they but care you know about what would be thrilling game. would be to take the chance and kind of uh, go off on a... Uh, one of these days on an Exit 59 song, if I can find one. Dude, yeah, I, w- I would love to hear an Exit 59 song. That would bring back so many memories of all the Exit 59 shows I didn't go to when I was at Taylor. <laughs> now, did, what was like their their scene? I mean, did they just play shows, you know, at like the student union? Dude, yeah, at like, like local coffee houses, you know what I mean? Like the, uh-huh. the coffee house was a big thing in the 90s. Um, oh yeah, I miss that. Yeah, right. That was a that was a new that was a fairly new thing in the 90s where I think people would show up at coffee houses and like read their poems or play their music and uh and everyone would clap politely but i so i think they had traction kind of in that space but i also think like i feel like exit 59 at taylor would get they would get to play like big shows like in the chapel like they'd they'd get the chapel for a night and like they were the sweethearts sweethearts. they were the the administration yeah and at taylor Uh taylor has launched over the years a few a few kind of b-list CCM artists like Jeff Moore in the distance. They were Taylor guys, uh, right? By the way, also from Flint, Michigan. Yeah, so so I like Jeff Moore in the distance. Yeah, right. Man. So the thought was like, you know, it's just a matter of time before these guys get huge. You know, that was kind of everybody's uh-huh. thought process vis-a-vis Exit Fifty Nine. And and then somehow it didn't pan somehow, out. Somehow, yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I mean, music and entertainment in general is such a sure thing. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's really bizarre <laughs> that it didn't work out. You know. But honestly, all kidding aside, like I, I figured it would work out for these guys because they had the, they had the kind of perfect sort of alternative thrift store yet affluent kind of look that was really selling in the '90s. I mean, they had that kind of candle box, uh, bush. I mean, that kind of that kind of look. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. When I was in a, uh, I was in a bad band, of course, in yeah. college, and I had a red bowling shirt that I got at Goodwill. Yeah. With the name Chuck emblazoned Dude, see, on now it. See, now that, that was like the holy grail at Goodwill. If you could find like a, yeah. a bowling shirt or even better, like a gas station shirt in the 90s <laughs> yeah. with like yeah, some, service some station. blue-collar guys, like very blue-collar name, like stitched onto the the chest, <laughs> then, then you were you were the man. You know, that was – and it was like, oh, ha-ha, your name's not Buzz, you know. <laughs> You're Zach. Like, uh, how clever! How clever of you to have bought that and and worn it. You know. And of course, because it was the '90s, all the people who were wearing those shirts were probably very much looking down on the actual guy who oh, worked for a living yeah, in yeah. the shirt. They were looking but... down on that guy, going like, "You know, you're just a rat in the cage, man. You're just, you're just, <laughs> despite yeah, you're all just your a, rage, you're just a slave to the grind." You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was something that was like, you know, what the '90s was at its worst, like the kind of the kind of ethos that we're talking about now. Um, it was like if you wanted to be a hippie, like there was a lot of hippie stuff. But you were way, way lazy about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you didn't actually want to go live on a commune. <laughs> yeah. You still wanted to live in, like, your parents' you, McMansion. You just wanted credit for it, you know? Yeah, right, like, right. I don't want to go live in the commune. I don't want to, like, plow the earth myself. I just want credit for wanting to do it. I just want to write something in the school literary magazine about it. Yes, exactly. And about how I'm going to turn my back on all this materialism. And then go get a job <laughs> at a hedge fund two years later. <laughs> Well, at Cornerstone, we had a band uh, that everyone knew was going to get signed, yeah. 
Uh, and then here's the story I heard is that they were actually offered a record deal, but they would have to have dropped out of school and like pursued that full time yeah. and they didn't do it. Yeah. Which that was probably I the narrative kind of that awesome. they wanted circulated. You know what I mean? Like we chose academics over. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to believe it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because they were super nice okay. to give us full reign to free reign rather yeah. to uh to use their music on on the podcast okay so the thing that i oh, uh, we're talking about these guys now yeah quiet wise okay so we've come we've come all the way around to these guys yeah so so these guys of course since you know they're giving us the the product and, and drop boxed me all of their songs incredible. uh i i'm assuming that uh had they chosen to become like the next jars of clay they would have now what are these guys like, um, what are they doing now what's the story well, one of them, a guy named Andy Ferris, um, is the music guy at uh, I want to say Ada Bible Church, okay. one of his big big churches yeah, with a bunch of campuses. Yeah, yeah he's incredible, yeah. man. Um, really, really good uh, musician, and he's got you know solo stuff out and everything. Yeah. Uh, kind of a following uh, at, at this point, without even trying, yeah. is, is the impression I yeah. get. Um, the but what, what I really wanted to tell yeah. you uh, was was the names of their albums because I still have their CDs. I got their CDs in in, in college okay. and and I really really liked them. Uh, the first album is called "We All Have Stories." What, dude? That's great. And the Did that second album, Swingers. No, 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 definitely okay, not. So that's a that's an homage to Swingers. It's a Swingers reference, oh. and it, and it goes deeper, man, because <laughs> the second album is called "Double Down." Oh, no, dude, these guys are great. <laughs> And it's and it's super it's super like '90s in the best yeah. way. Um, did you, you you heard the the intro last time? Yeah, yeah. So so kind of the like uh, wailing guitar, but not in an '80s oh, yeah, way, yeah. like in a more subdued a more kind of kind I'm of, wearing glasses way. Baby, uh, that's spectacular. And and you know, in a sense, and correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, let me know if you're feeling this on your ends. I feel like I'm rediscovering this conversation in, in certain <laughs> ways. In that, I I just I just have this feeling inside that. Like we talked about it a week ago, and then and then it was abruptly ended, and then we picked it back up. Sort Is of like maybe um, it, it abruptly ended with me getting really, really mad, and you being kind of uncomfortable uh, <laughs> yeah. being on the yeah. other end of a Skype call where I was getting really mad at the technology. Yeah, you you were, and I don't judge. I don't sit in judgment of you or, or any of your responses, but uh, but I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad you're not angry anymore. I'm not, man. In fact, you know, I I want to just put all that behind us and okay. and, and jump into. Uh, the topic of conversation, which is we, we were going to be talking about a movie and some television. This was because yeah. this was going to be the media episode. It was going to be the media app. And we we're going to talk about your TV viewing habits of late because uh, apparently you've been watching a lot of television. Do you want to do you want to tell us kind of what you've been watching? Well, I've been I've been binging some TV while doing mindless website building for okay. my for my church, uh, which yeah. is a little update on, on that. Yeah. Um, and the update being I'm still doing it. Okay, good. Riveting. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's one of those things where to have something that you don't have to focus on in the background is good. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so nice. Yeah. I found that, Ted, and I know that I, somehow I know this. Yeah, uh, it's, it's so weird. It's like, it's like <laughs> you know me so well that it's almost <laughs> as though we've already had this conversation. <laughs> that uh, I, I churned through all of the tiny house related <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, shows. Now, dude. Yeah, yeah. And I'm with you, man. I love the tiny house shows myself. And I, I think what I love the most about it, and tell me if you also love this, is how clearly miserable the people are in their tiny houses, but how adamantly they try to um, make you think that they're not miserable. With it's their almost like they're trying to make toilets. them think they're not miserable. 
it is like the first person you have to convince is, is yourself, you know, that whole phenomenon. <laughs> and which so, is, which turns out to be insurmountable obstacle to really enjoying your tiny house. That's right. They, they're like, although we only have 250 square feet and we have a composting <laughs> toilet, we're very happy. There's plenty of space. <laughs> Dude, I love this. That's my favorite, like, you know, kind of hidden gem in all these shows is the smugness of the owners. And then what's beautiful about that, too, is like how stupid they sound. Yeah. <laughs> in in that, they're like, I want a house that's less than 400 square feet because, sure. you know, just simple living yeah. and, and you don't need that much more. And then the guy's like, okay, this one's 401 square feet. And they're like, oh, this is way too small. This seems really yeah. cramped. They're just conflicted, man. There's a lot going on there with them. They all, they all have stories. Now, speaking of stories, I've got to ask you if you've seen this one uh, particular tiny house documentary in which... Um, it's like a full-length thing. I think it's like over an hour. It's almost two hours. It's a, it's a movie where this guy is building a tiny house sort of with his girlfriend. Yeah, that was and Tiny, then, right? That was yeah, the original like, documentary. Yeah, it was like the original Netflix you know, tiny house thing. So, But but the great part of it is over the course of this doc, uh, his girlfriend becomes sort of more and more distant. Like she stops <laughs> yeah. you know, like measuring you know, joists and putting up walls. And then she's, she's just like, Googling things while he's yeah, building. She's, she's like playing on her phone and like sitting in the corner <laughs> reading poetry. So you know, like you know the relationship. Uh, it's on the rocks, you know. It's not going <laughs> to yeah. make it. And then by the end of it, she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to move to New York City and become a poet. But <laughs> And the best and so part is he was, with she got him to build house. it, right? She what? She got him to build he the tiny house. got him to build it. That was yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> And this poor freaking guy, man, spends like a year of his life building this tiny crappy house. That it was crappy done. too. That was a that was a badly made documentary too. It was it, and it, a badly made house and there, a bad relationship. <laughs> and a badly made relationship. That's right. It, it was really one of those where cohesive. you watch the the preview and you're like, oh, this is gonna suck. But I mean, it's it's on Netflix, so and, and they're like putting it out as like original, yeah. a Netflix original. It must be okay. And then you realize afterward. They were just like, we need a tiny house thing. This is all we could find. No, yeah. fine. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. But is it uh, depressing? Yes. All right, put it on. <laughs> so it can count as an art film. It's like a tiny house art film. You know what I mean? <laughs> In that it ends really sadly, so you well, can feel very artistic and hipster about it. Ninety-five percent of them end sadly, though. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the, the tiny house things, or, yes. or yeah, okay, the tiny house ones specifically. In in that, you know, like like, did you watch the one where? It was this lady who was a sound a sound healer. <laughs> no, but Judas Priest, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and she's like... Dude, and I, they always live in like Boulder, Colorado. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you either have the people who are in a tiny little apartment to begin with, so they yeah. think they can pull this off, or they're in like a, you know, 4,000 square foot farmhouse, yeah. uh, and, and they're just tired of cleaning all the rooms. But this right. chick was like, I, you know, I need an outdoor bathroom, mm-hmm. and I want to live somewhere that's funky and strange where I can do my... Uh, my sound therapy, but she wound up in a yurt. Now, suss that out, baby. What's a yurt? The yurt is like the the round tent. Oh um, yeah, I saw that one. I totally saw that one. <laughs> it was. So I just forgot awful. what it was called. Do you, do you remember her doing the sound therapy? They like showed her. It was so awkward. Like a guy's laying there, and she like like glongs like a gong, and then like holds it up by him for a second. Dude, that sounds horrible. It was like out of a Christopher Guest movie. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, and I just want to be clear about this. I'm yeah. actually laughing at her and her choice to do that yes. as a living. I don't want people yeah. to think maybe I'm not. No, right. No, that, that's exactly what we're laughing at. <laughs> and her so choice fun. of a yurt. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wonder, what, I wonder what it would be like living in a tent. Because I hate camping. 
And each each and every time that I go camping, I just you know rue the day that I uh, that I agreed to do it. So I I wonder what that would be like as your permanent dwelling. You know, as long as you have basically Ted. You know, speaking of camping and hating camping and, yeah, and yeah, being yeah. cramped. Basically, what they try to do, we talked a few weeks ago about the, the experience that you and I had trying to, to sleep in the same tent. Now, that was, that was a good camping experience, actually. <laughs> but that's what they try. They all, like, we ingest. We're like, hey, this, like, <laughs> foot between this queen mattress and the that's side of the tent. That's our study area. That's the stu- and that's what they do. They're like, oh, this will be a little nook for, you know, <laughs> my reading. In and- a way, we were way ahead of the tiny house thing. Like, that, that <laughs> tent was our tiny house, you know? <laughs> We had the rain machine. We had uh, we had your Palm Pilot. We had a, a a nice inflatable mattress and a study area. What, what more, more do you, do you need? need? Yeah, yeah, that's that, that and was... an outdoor toilet, as it were. <laughs> Meaning the outdoors. Right? Meaning the outdoors, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, I I got through all those. Then I started getting into this thing that was like living in like half price paradise or something. Oh wow! Okay. Which was just a a gong show of people leaving like Baltimore and like moving to you know Belize. Okay. And being like, really, we can buy this house for one hundred and sixty thousand dollars? Oh man, we'll have so much money to do all this extra stuff and like, you know, Except pay the ransom. Belize. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you, when you get a job in Belize, you will be making money according to the scale of the cost of living right. there, not Baltimore. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So I ditched that and I moved on Ted to a show uh, from the DIY Network uh-huh. called Man Caves. Have you seen this show? You know what? It's it's funny. I, again, hearkening back to that kind of deja vu esque feeling that I, I feel like we're both experiencing today uh, in our various studios. I I remember something about having a conversation about it about a week or so ago, and uh, and I I logged in and I watched one episode and it was uh, it was great. And as it turns out, I know um, one of the co hosts, the the big Italian guy Tony Siragusa, was with the uh, Indianapolis Colts when I worked there. So huh, that guy's uh-huh. awesome. Both of those guys awesome. are awesome. He's super funny, man. He was super funny back then too. But uh, but yeah. So the premise of this is they, and, and again, having only seen one app, you'll have to educate me here. But they they bestow on some, you know, deserving dude like a, a a dream man cave. Is that the way it works? I think they get paid the big bucks to do it. Actually, I think all these people seem to be uh, rolling to some degree in the dough. Okay, but I may be wrong about that. Because the first guy, the the guy in the first app was like a like a very blue collar like. You know, local beat cop. You know, <laughs> and it was it was this big kind of beefy guy, and he's got a, a very modest house and some kids, and you know, it seemed like a hey, we're we're gifting you this, you know, this thing. Okay, if you keep watching later on, there's like a Jonas brother. Oh wow! Uh, and and there's like uh, there's there's a couple of minor celebrities. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a guy who does the Comedy Central roasts. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure. Maybe they kind of mix and match. Some of them are are right. kind of the charity man cave. Some of them are are the millionaire man cave. Which one did you end up watching? What was the? I, I watched the the first one, the Charity Man Cave, the one about the cop. Was it the the NFL themed one? Yeah, it was the NFL themed. Okay, one. yeah, yeah. I liked how they all had themes, and and I honestly, two thirds of those I had to check the uh, the coveting. Oh sure, yeah, and, and see that's my problem with a lot of those uh, HGTV house shows, man. I just get really. I get really tweaked and I get really angry that I don't have all the sweet stuff that these other people have. You know? Well, you just have to pretend that you don't want the free stuff and then they give you the stuff for free, Ted. Yeah, I love it, baby. I love it. I now, don't want the free stuff then. <laughs> I Let me ask you, having had maybe some time to ruminate on this since okay. since seeing that one episode, yeah. um, as far as you're concerned, what would be 
Well, first of all, would you want a man cave, and do you have kind of a default area that's the the dad is goes down here, and and you don't bother him? Or do dude, the no, I there there's no space in my house where I don't get bothered, and that, <laughs> that that's part of the problem. So my dream, my dream man cave would honestly be any space where I didn't get bothered, and it could be it could be decorated like a 90s old lady's sitting room and if i didn't get bothered there i would it, i would call it my dream space you know what i mean <laughs> that's very sad <laughs> yeah it's really sad it could have like fake ficus trees and like a you know a tasteful sofa and... one of those like uh what do you call the little strip of uh uh wallpaper <laughs> like the header along the top oh, yeah with, yeah like, yeah mauve flowers on it Mauve flowers right yeah what do it's, they call that? There's a name for that. It's a very simple rail name. or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we need to watch more decorating shows. My, my mother had that going in the 90s. Oh, dude. I think everybody's mother had that in the 90s. Yeah. I think you couldn't be a mother unless you had that going in the 90s. Yeah. No, no one respects my space. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I think – I mean, my wife does, obviously, but uh, but I, I have two small children who, who don't. So, um, you know, not that when, small, dude. Yeah. I mean, when they're not around, like the whole house is my man cave. Now let me ask you this: in in uh, the the boxing glove shaped state here, you had an office, yeah, uh, right right in the front door, which was sure. a pretty money location for an office. It was a great office too. I love that. That's but as I recall, you were you were probably not free from being uh, summoned and and bothered. Oh no, there was there was no tranquility in that office. Actually, I'm sitting in my actual office now here on campus, and this is probably. Truth be told, this is as close to like a man cave as I'm probably going to get. But no one's um, allowed to let up a cigar in that place, so dude, it no, can't be a man exactly. cave. Yeah, so in this dream man cave uh, scenario, you would be you'd be able to smoke, so there'd be some good ventilation. Um, yeah, that would be part of it. Maybe maybe like a pool table. I don't know. I like. Oh the, yeah. Maybe some boxing memorabilia, some football memorabilia, some astroturf on the floor. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm you know I'm going going crazy here. But, uh, no man, think big, think big. Don't be afraid to dream big. I'm thinking with you, or would you have all of your uh, your restored football helmets kind of lined oh, yeah. up? Dude, absolutely, yeah. Jerseys and helmets, and uh, maybe all my sports books and uh, and other paraphernalia down there. Absolutely, man. It'd be a great uh, it'd be a great space. What about the TV? Baby, you know what? It's weird, man. I've I've never been a huge TV guy. Like I just I don't have I've never had the huge TV, and I've never really even wanted it. I don't know. It just um, so I, I, I'd say I would ha- probably have a mid-sized TV, you know. Um, I went to a guy's house one time. You'll you'll appreciate this, and he, uh, it, it was just a very regular guy. In fact, he's a Baptist pastor uh, in Ashland, Ohio, and he had, you know, just a very regular house. But when you went to the basement, there was sort of a, you know, like a, a Hugh Hefner grade like viewing room, like a like a theater space. Uh-huh. Where you walk in and one entire wall is like this gigantic screen and there's like leather, you know, recliners arrayed uh, about. And there's even like levels. So there's like tiers of seating. Oh, um, boy. So st- uh, theater style. Yeah, theater style. Yeah. I'm, and I'm like, who are you? You know, like I don't, I don't even know you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I, that would be what I would want. I mean, I wouldn't want necessarily the, the full theater thing. But yeah. in my man cave, I wouldn't want the 60-inch plasma screen TV that everyone would always just turn on as soon as they got in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd want like this, the, the one wall that was painted with the right stuff right. so that occasionally I could screen, could screen a movie you know, the fighter that. or something down yeah. there. yeah. And Absolutely. and smoke while I watched it, dude. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Now, in and your yeah, man cave, would you want a bar? I would. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention that. So, uh, yeah, easy access to like uh, refreshments and, and snacks. That would be that would be key. 
Absolutely. So your theme would just be kind of like stuff Ted's into. Yes, that would be my theme. Yeah, that would be mine too. Not so much stuff that Ted's into, but stuff that I'm into. <laughs> yeah, no, that made that totally makes sense. I was tracking the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I'm I glad could, you explained it. I could see like having multiple like like corners, like 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 it would be cool to have the area with the heavy bag and stuff. Uh huh. And then over, you know, there's a not not a sharp demarcation, but but yeah. some some neutral space. And then on the other side, you've got like the swank, uh, black leather chair yeah. with the the ashtrays. You've yeah. got, you know, the, kind of a, a, a biggish space. Mm. Yeah, this, this is actually just kind of a sad scenario, though, because the house I'm in now, my son's bedroom is about, uh, like, five by five, and yeah. that's only a slight exaggeration, so right, right. we're not going to be able to take any space and, and, and uh, repurpose Plus, I feel it. Like, I feel like the man cave has to be in a basement. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just, if it's in some, like regular like upstairs room it's a little sad right you know? yeah especially if, a, you, if you have to go upstairs it's really right. sad it's like oh dad only gets this yeah oh yeah yeah exactly it feels like charity you know it feels like oh we'll we'll let let dad feel like he's special and we'll give him this you know <laughs> four foot by four like this broom closet you know <laughs> yeah I don't want that. dude now now let me ask you uh, what what the setup is for for your wife's office situation at, at your house now Dude, you know what? We actually have a really cool space that houses both of our offices, and it actually is uh, – it's upstairs. Um, a, lot, a lot of houses in the south have this thing called a bonus room, um, okay. which is like a huge room over the garage. And that's where like um, the TV with the video games and the jerseys and the helmets and all that stuff is in there now. So so in a sense, I do have a, a bit of a man cave, except that my kids are always in there. That sounds but, awesome. I would just tell my kids they're not allowed in there, right? Dude, it's nice, man. It's super nice. Um, but off the hallway, there's actually this little room. Uh, it's got like the slanted roof because it's, it's right where the roof, uh, the slanted ceiling where the roof comes in and it's a, a little tiny room and it's got electricity and it's, it's got the, um, you know, the air conditioning goes in there and stuff. And the previous owner, uh, was just using it like as a closet, but we actually cleared all the stuff out of it and we're, um, we have our desks in there. So, uh, it's a little workspace. KK has her like sewing stuff and I have my desk and, um, you know, I hardly work there anymore since I'm I'm always here at the office. But uh, but it's a great little space, man. It's really cool. I've got our our posters from um, oh the Elector thing. Oh, nice. Um, and our some of our Timmy's gigs. I've got you know some of that stuff hanging up in there. So it's pretty. Okay, I'm I'm glad to hear that because when I've been watching these tiny house shows, I yeah. think a KK every once in a while when someone's like, now here's my office, and they open a closet, yeah. and then they sit down, and then there's yeah. a laptop on something. Right, right. Which was, of course, her her uh, setup. Um, it, it was, and of course, the fact that you had the really cool office and she had that. I always uh, wondered if there was any anything boiling under the surface here, like there was a bet way back in the in the right when you moved <laughs> no, in no. or something. Dude, now we're both in a closet though. So KK likes small spaces. She's kind of like a cat. She likes to just sort of <laughs> nestle into to you know. Like tiny sometimes you'll get home and you'll be like, Kristen, where are you? And then you'll find her like behind the fridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or it in the fridge. Weird, no, I'm used to it. In like know? the crisper. In the crisper. <laughs> I love it, dude. I, I think that my my man cave also would have to have adequate seating for like seven or eight people. Okay. Like because when you have people over and it seems cramped, that's really pathetic. But yeah. I would want to show off if I had the awesome man cave going. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I wouldn't want any of it to be sad seating. I would all I would want it all to be the same kind of baller black leather sofa yeah. situation Absolutely. um 
And and probably you know what I like at at uh, Tim's Fine Cigars where there's that table in the middle, uh-huh. and it's it's a round table, and then there's those little segments you pull out underneath uh-huh. that form all the little uh, footstools for everybody. I yeah, want yeah. that table. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great table. Absolutely, baby. How is uh, how is our boy Timmy? It's been forever. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. You know what? I was there. I I went to Timmy's with my wife. On our our uh, anniversary, which okay. was something we've we've done a number of times, we we yeah. throw the kid with with grandma and grandpa. Then we go to this place called Old City Hall in Bay City, which is this really okay. nice nice restaurant. And then we go over to Tim's for a cigar. And I got nice. there, I'm buying a cigar. Yeah. And he says uh, he, he says you want some matches? I said no, it's okay. I'm gonna smoke it here. And he said, oh well, I'm about to close because it's <laughs> you know Thursday night, the night before New Year's or the night before New Year's Eve. Yeah. Okay. Um, and. And I'm about to close, so, and I'm thinking, you know, it's freezing cold outside. You can't smoke in the hotel. Right. And I'm like, um, he said, you know what? Never mind. Hold on. So he goes over, turns the, uh, the satellite radio to like a light jazz station. Uh huh. Turns most of the lights in the place off, brings over the, uh, some, some coffee and, and the, the lighters and says, uh, you just make sure when you leave the door clicks behind you. Dude, and, what a guy. Oh, man. dude. So we got like our own private smoking lounge. Oh, that is unbelievable. Yeah, it, yeah, it was awesome. Timmy's amazing. You and I are going to get to Timmy's, right? We are, yeah. We're going to make that happen, for sure. And and now everybody at home knows that we're going to do that, because our Dude, plans right. are important. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> us kind of sessing out the just the logistics of our lives on the air is, is, a, is a fun and important entertainment event for people, you know? Somehow. Somehow we're on multiple sponsors. I know. For this. For having a weekly phone call, basically. Does it feel like kind of a uh, Andy Kaufman-esque... Um... Dude, it does. I, and in fact, <laughs> like... we could make it more mundane. I would be happy with that. <laughs> you know what I had for lunch today? What, baby? Leaf salad bar. I'll tell you what I put on oh, my salad. Dude, you went to Leaf salad bar, finally. <laughs> I never got there. Oh, man, I go there all the time, but I don't... You really? Yeah, I go there all the time, but I eat probably like four days worth of fat every time, so... Are you on a diet again? Uh, you know, I'm on, I'm trying to, but I'm failing. It's one of these where like every day I'm like, it's also, well, that's not a, that's not a gay, sad thing to talk about on the air. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> you know what? Are you let's losing talk- any weight? I, I am not, man. Okay. I'm, I'm really failing. It's one of these like every day at about 11. I'm like, you know what? Today's shot. So we'll yeah. try again tomorrow. Exactly. It just got real. <laughs> Titanium needs my biggest friend. I'm Episcopal. We're going to go with Strongbow today. Just know that it's not my decision. Why aren't we still flying? This is Chapter 18, Enraptured. Tim Van Shrimpy's powerful old man fingers are straining to reach the razor blade secured within his belt buckle, but his mind is firmly lodged in the past replaying the events of that fateful night in 1985. Taylor University's chapel was intentionally plain, indiscernible from your average hotel conference room, so the Rapture Club kids had tried to set the mood by lighting some candles and hanging an old tapestry behind the altar. (laughs) Unfortunately, the tapestry was of a Cherokee Indian in the process of taking down a buffalo, so it didn't really do the trick. The group, which had formed three months earlier, usually munched on corn chips and cheese puffs while informally swapping proof texts and matching them with newspaper headlines about Soviet Russia. But not tonight. 
Tonight was special, and not just because they were breaking curfew. Anticipation hung thick in the air as the handful of college freshmen sat solemnly in two rows of chairs, facing forward, drinking Welches from plastic goblets, and waiting for their special guest. They were silent save for the midget, who was quite intoxicated. He pointed a stubby finger at James Wiles. "'Who let the N-E-R-G-O in here?' he slurred. Duke reeled and smacked him in the head. "'If you could spell, I'd have punched you in the nose,' he addressed the group. "'Who brought this zero? "'He's sort of with me,' Sylvia apologized, smoothing her ankle-length dress. "'I thought it might be good for him to come tonight and meet—' "'Will you please be quiet?' Ironsides demanded. "'I'm praying silently for this meeting since no one thought to say grace before breaking into the grape juice. "'Seriously, this is the least pious rapture club I've ever belonged to.' <laughs> I like how it implies that he's been part of, like, four. He's been in some other rapture clubs, for sure. He's not, he's not committing to this one. <laughs> they all eyed each other annoyedly for a moment, as they always did before full-scale verbal brawls broke out. But before they had a chance to lay into each other, something grabbed their attention and hushed them all. It was the sound of heels clicking on tile floor, and the sound was getting louder and louder. Dr. Van Shrimpy had arrived. The Bible scholar stepped up to the podium and looked from one far corner of the dim room to the other, as if speaking to the kind of packed house to which he was accustomed. Thank you for inviting me here. <laughs> the group wanted to applaud, but they couldn't. They were enraptured, sucking air, hearts working double time. The famous Bible teacher gestured at Josh Vandersma, who was feeling a bit sheepish about what Van Shrimpy may have overheard from the undisciplined group. When this young man told me he'd started a secret rapture society and he wanted me to come to speak to you, I have to be honest, I laughed in his face. But when he began to reveal his plans, his vision for what you might accomplish and become, I knew I had to brave the cornfields and see you with my own eyes. And standing before you now, I am not disappointed. Josh felt the knot in his guts start to loosen. We're honored to have you here, he said, his voice cracking. Perhaps introductions are in order, the religious celebrity said pleasantly. I am the Reverend Dr. Tim Van Shrimpy, but you can call me <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Van Shrimpy. Please tell me your names, if you would be so kind. Josh. Lewis. Duke. <laughs> James. Max. Reginald. He means Reginald. I'm Sylvia. I am pleased that there are seven of you. That just confirms for me that I have chosen the right group. Actually, Dr. Van Shrimpy, Josh interrupted, this little guy isn't really with us. He just comes <laughs> sniffing around Sylvia from time to time and eats all our pretzels. We were kind of hoping that you'd be number seven. No. The midget was meant to be here. Like, predestined, you mean? Josh asked. Oh, no, nothing like that. <laughs> Sorry. Don't worry. You have to understand, my friends, this meeting tonight is a fulfillment of prophecy. Max Darby half raised his hand. Uh, which prophecies specifically, sir? I'm compiling lists of confirmed prophetic fulfillments. Um, some stuff from Ezekiel and a few verses in Habakkuk. I, I haven't fully memorized those yet. Let me get back to you later on that. But listen, the main reason I want to get you all together tonight is to help you understand that the stakes have been raised. You are no longer simply a rapture club. Starting tonight, you are a tribulation fellowship. James Wiles snickered. What exactly is the difference? The doctor ran a hand through his jet-black hair. James, right? Have you learned anything in Rapture Club, James? Uh, sure, he answered with a smirk. Last week, Josh told us that when the rapture happens, our clothes will be left behind in a pile, so it's important that we always wear clean underwear. 
Josh is right. Dirty underwear would be a very bad witness, but that kind of stuff is just the milk of end times teaching. I want to bring you the solid food, and I know you're the right group for my teaching. You will study, you will learn, and you will wait silently, biding your time, and then spring into action when the moment is right. He gestured at Sylvia. Your group includes both men and women at Faustus, the very short at Darby, and incredibly tall at Wiles, black at Ironsides, and very, very, very white at Duke, athletic at Lewis, and bookish. You will leave this school and head out to very different lives in different places, but when the time is right, you will be activated and you will come back together. They were all sold Even Faustus found himself nodding earnestly. "'When, Dr. Van Shrimpy?' Josh asked. "'When will we strike against the dragon?' "'Precisely seven weeks before the rapture occurs, on a day we shall call our day.' What the prophecy expert doesn't mention is that he's well into planning a media blitz around a 1988 rapture craze. (laughs) (laughs) These seven college students are just a way of hedging his bets. Plan B— Or, if he's honest with himself, plan M. Van Shrimpy makes a lot of rapture-related promises. Luckily, no one ever really holds him accountable. 2015. Tim Van Shrimpy is halfway through the tape, restraining his wrists, methodically sawing back and forth with the tenuously awkward upside-down hold he has on the razor blade. From the other side of the office, he can hear Duke Morrison giving a thunderous interview, incredibly bright and optimistic despite or perhaps because of the beating he just handed out. Van Shrimpy redoubles his efforts. 1985. Sylvia was the first student to come back down from the moment. But sir, how will we know when our day is here? What will be the sign unto us? Van Shrimpy smiled. Good question, child. But before I answer it, let me warn you, not all of you will remain true. Even though you will all sign your names to our pact tonight, some of you will stray from the dispensational faith. For those who do, my wrath will be poured out on you, figuratively, like the completely literal vials will be completely literally poured out on the earth during the literal seven-year tribulation. His gaze shifted from student to student, studying their eyes, as if to discover any traitorous intentions in advance. 2015. Duke is talking in an outdoor voice, echoing in from the hall. He had insisted on taking the TV crew out to the public trophy case where his many Donor of the Year awards are displayed. Van Shrimpy knows he has to work fast. He pulls the remnants of the athletic tape from his face, sleeve, and $349 shoes. Balling it up, he tosses it contemptuously into the trash. From the inside pocket of his suit coat, he retrieves an envelope, which he perfectly squares on Duke's leather desk blotter. (laughs) I think it's funny that Duke has that. (laughs) It is sealed with a disc of red wax, bearing the image of a shield inset with the letters VS. From his other coat pocket, he pulls out a schematic of the stadium, the same schematic he sent anonymously to the rabbi formerly known as Josh this morning. He indulges in a dark laugh, thinking of what has undoubtedly become of the whelp. (laughs) <laughs> he quickly studies the diagram, refreshing himself on the path from from here to point B, before roughly refolding the paper and stuffing it back into his jacket. One more thing before he goes mobile. He pulls out his cell phone and pages young Ted with another code, the one that means phase two initiated. I'm in. With an incredible leap from his spring-loaded titanium knees, the doctor... <laughs> 
the doctor sails up to the wall vent and, grabbing it by the edges with his powerful fingers, yanks it to the floor. Another cat-like leap, and he is within the network of tunnels, en route to the rendezvous point. Ted Strongbow looks sidelong at his buzzing pager. He is helping gather the files he just accidentally launched into the air. His pulse quickens. Phase two. His rifling <laughs> becomes frantic. He needs to get clear of the pretty young reporter giving him the sly bedroom eyes and the college <laughs> kid giving him an unsettling, unsettling version of the same. He needs to get to his rapture preparedness duffel like yesterday. <laughs> 1985. It was almost 3 a.m. when Dr. Van Shrimpy finished explaining all the signs and formulae involved in pinpointing our day. It would probably be 15 to 30 years down the road, he explained, but probably not in the year 2000, as that would be too obvious. <laughs> now is the time for you to swear allegiance to our holy quest, he intoned, his pomade glistening <laughs> in the candlelight. You will rise and come forward one at a time. Lay your right hand on the sacred Schofield notes <laughs> and whisper into my ear your greatest fear, the one thing that terrifies you, the subject of your most horrific nightmares. Then you will sign the parchment. He gestured to a quill pen and inkwell laying on the stand where the mandatory chapel attendance forms were usually kept. Duke grimaced. Is that blood? No. But that would have been cool. Who's first? <laughs> Josh Rose. I am, of course. I would follow you anywhere, Dr. Van Shrimpy. And that's it. That's wow. it. That's the end of that one. Dude, what a chilling end to that chapter. <laughs> <laughs> little little background. You know, I actually like it when um, a story will, will wait a while and then give you some flashback to give you a little insight as to why the person has been doing what they've been doing up to that point. I like that, too. I like that, too. Speaking of waiting a while, that's... Uh... That's something that we've done several times as we've uh, as we've waited for this uh, this episode to get done, and something that the listener will have ended up doing uh, between episodes. So we appreciate yeah, yeah. Uh, we appreciate their patience, Zach. It seems like such a such a long journey on this app, you know, <laughs> journey of a thousand steps. A and journey by a thousand, of a thousand steps. I mean a thousand little recording sessions. Yeah, exactly, and a thousand Skype calls and a thousand, you know technological problems that haven't in any way made us swear and throw things across <laughs> our respective studios. Nothing's been thrown. We would never have done that. <laughs> we would never have gotten super frustrated at this process. Dude, I, I never grabbed a picture of uh, Ted Strongbow off the wall and then broke it in half just to <laughs> blow off some steam and to be mean. Dude, that's right. I love it. I love it. Well, baby, this has been... Uh, this has truly been an app in which we've wandered uh, to and far, as it were. <laughs> in that we've actually been in six different physical locales. Six different during... physical locales, six different times. <laughs> I can't even remember the beginning of this episode and what we talked about, but uh, it w that said, it will be fun to listen to. because it'll I be... think it was about gardening, wasn't it? I think it was. It'll be news to me, man. It'll be news <laughs> to me. So, uh, baby, on behalf, of, uh, on behalf of you and everyone here at Gut Check World Headquarters, uh, we will see you... Next time. So I